and welcome to another episode of the Gobeski Wallace Report. My name is Charlie Wallace. I'm Adam, and we have with us two special guests. We have former human Doug Gobeski. Hey, guys. And noted sorcerer Paul Wilcox. Great to be here. So how's the uh, new canon treating everyone? (laughs) Well, I eat a lot more brains than I used to. Being a zombie, you know. <laughs> That's fair. You find it difficult to find the adequate amount of brains necessary? No, no, no. That's what I'm at the university for. A lot of smart people. A lot of smart people. Best brains. Only the best. So their tastiness is proportional to their information density? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm certain, well, geez, I'm not eating them for the flavor. I'm eating them for the knowledge. What is the flavor? Mm, kind of gamey. <laughs> It's like like a bowl of Jello, except it tastes kind of like raccoon fat. <laughs> Why do you know what raccoon fat tastes like? Hey, man, you know, some sometimes you know, cannon gets rebooted and you die, and you come back, and roadkill's just sitting right there, and you know, I have I already had the rusty spoon in my hand. What else was I going to do? You don't know right off the bat that you're undead. You're just going with the flow, right? Seemed right at the time. How about you, Paul? Oh, uh, you know, I'm just working on various uh, jinxes and curses and hexes. Um, You know, things a sorcerer does. Some mostly uh, malicious spells, it sounds like. Yeah, but mostly so far. I mean, those are the easier ones. There's, There's more quick results with those. (laughs) <laughs> I would say. So a- as I'm learning my new abilities, I-, I just find I figured I'd start with the dark side and work my way to the light. You know, makes for a better <laughs> story, too. He's not wrong. But none on the people present. Are we all safe at this point? Uh, as far as I know, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, are we all safe from you? That was the question. As far as you know. As far as I know. <laughs> well, maybe he's been casting I, protection spells on us and he doesn't know if they've worn off yet. Oh. I'm not very good at those yet. So <laughs> The lighter sort of spell. I understand that, yeah. So, you know, I mean, there may be si- there's, there's some side effects for spending time around a novice sorcerer, for sure. So, <laughs> be vigilant. Well, are you the reason why even though I'm dead, I'm undead, I'm not just regular dead? Did you bring me back uh, possibly. I have been experimenting in necromancy. Anything else that you've risen, rose, raised? Is there anything else you've raised from the dead beyond possibly, Doug? Um, some raccoons. <laughs> just seems seems to be all over the place. Yeah, if there's an animal you want to bring back from the dead, raccoon seems like it's high on the list. They're they're actually quite mild mannered once you kill them once. Oh, good. <laughs> I think this was one of the uh, unintended consequences of uh, the reboot was that there's a lot of dead raccoons everywhere. <laughs> yeah. well, Jason hates raccoons. Yeah, this is, this is true. Is that true? Is that canon? I just said it, so yes. Well, that suddenly fleshed out all our characters. Do <laughs> 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 you feel more connected to me now that I have this tragic backstory than you did before? No. But it's more interesting. <laughs> wow, that's remarkably offensive. Yeah, I'm more willing to hear about your life <laughs> and what's happening with you. <laughs> I only care about the made-up aspects of your life. 
was trying to be nice, but no. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Paul and Charlie and Doug, but I already told Doug this. I think this may have actually been something that I personally discussed with Tony back in the day. Do you guys remember icing? Oh, you sent me a text that made me think about it, and I haven't thought about it in probably a decade. Eight years. Yes, yes. Where you hide a Smirnoff ice somewhere, and then whoever finds it has to immediately chug the whole thing. <laughs> I do not remember this. <laughs> All right, so it was definitely Tony that I discussed this with then. <laughs> Back in like 2010. But uh, I've just sent you all a link via the Skype chat that states that apparently this is still happening in the White House. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently a New Yorker article mentioned in passing that this was happening at the White House office of, let me get this right, the White House office of presidential personnel. (laughs) sounds like the most made up thing ever (laughs) a quote social hub where young Trump aides quote hang out on couches and smoke electronic cigarettes (laughs) (laughs) at a happy hour party in January the office celebrated one aide's 30th birthday with a drinking game that involved quote hiding a bottle of Smirnoff ice a flavored malt liquor and demanding that the person who discovers it, in this case, the deputy director, guzzle it. (laughs) When I asked the senior administration official about the story, he said, that was pretty common knowledge. That was their style. (laughs) Uh, Their style is a frat boy from 15 years ago, (laughs) I guess. Oh, like it's 10 years ago. Okay, 10 years ago. 2010 was when it spiked. Oh, okay. Is that some stealth marketing oh, campaign wow. by Smirnoff Ice? <laughs> I, my number one, the the first comment that shows up on it is actually relevant. Really? What's your I, first comment? I guess I only know about the variation on icing, which was if you didn't have a drink in your hand at a party, a bro would give you a Smirnoff and demand you drink it. I didn't know this at one of my exceedingly rare party appearances, and I was like 30, got handed an ice politely refused it and the drunk bro got unreasonably angry <laughs> from user shock rates shock rates, i assume oh shock <laughs> i like shock rates better it's got kind of it's got kind of a so crates vibe to it you know smirnoff ice the drink's so tasty you have to trick people into drinking it <laughs> <laughs> they'll probably be doing that with zima now that it's back right oh, is that back? So? wait zima's back <laughs> yeah wow actually, my friend sent me a picture it. of it in the store and was like what year is this <laughs> <laughs> it's 1994 <laughs> has anyone ever so, had yeah. a zima does anyone know what it tastes like no i have not they disappeared, I think, long before I was close to drinking age, I think. Yeah, right? Zima disappeared in, like, what, 97 or something? Yeah, I imagine other drinks have supplanted it in the marketplace. Or loco. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> really, it was spurred off ice. I mean, you know, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Crowded market. <laughs> According to Wikipedia, it was only discontinued in 2008. So I assume that there was some tiny corner yeah. of the market. Yeah, I would have thought I was long dead before that. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, I just wanted to share that uh, the White House is still doing icing, (laughs) which just seemed insane to me. 
kind of goes with my whole policy with this White House, which is as long as they're doing something other than governing, <laughs> I'm going to have to be okay with it. <laughs> everyone a vape for, for everyone. <laughs> you know, has, has anybody seen the photograph of Ivanka Trump with the vape juice? No. no, I think you might be onto something here, Paul. We're getting dangerously close to cut material, guys. I want you to know that. <laughs> Noted. Yeah, there's there is a photograph from like a month or two ago where Ivanka Trump visited. I think it was like a high school or something, and essentially participated in some experiment that the kids were doing to test the nicotine content of different vape juices. So one of the photos has her with the chemical splash goggles and gloves and a lab. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The sort of I'm doing science sort of pose, like yeah, photo op. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, it was like, yeah, you looked at it and you're like, yeah, okay, clearly the photographer had her, you know, hold that pose. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to go with the theory that this entire White House is just an elaborate uh, scheme to push a vape juice uh Really, you know, a, a custom vape juice in like three years. <laughs> really get the brand, get the Trump brand back on its feet. <laughs> vape juice just sounds like the worst, you know, drink. <laughs> just pour yourself a glass of vape juice. <laughs> Mine's Smirnoff ice flavored. <laughs> Now in volatile and extra volatile. <laughs> Just the idea of something being Smirnoff ice flavored. <laughs> pretty bad. So uh, No affiliation with at, Smirnoff ice. <laughs> I was at a Burger King the other day. Brianna and I were. And the place was deserted other than us and the staff because it was like four o'clock or something. Else. So between... Your standard eating times. But on one of the uh, tables was someone's uh, vaping thing. I don't know what you actually call them when they're not e-cigarettes. Vaping pen? Is it a pen even though it looks like a pack? No, it wasn't a, it wasn't a pen-shaped one? No, it was. It looked like a pack of uh, cigarettes with like a thing sticking out of the top. Yeah, it's like larger. like a. But then do you smoke the whole pack? Like... As it connected to the pack, or is it like a charger that you stick the... I don't know. Uh, maybe it's... Yeah, maybe it's something you stick the pen in. I don't know. Oh, I, don't, okay. I think it's just okay. like the juice is like stored inside that <laughs> rectangular <laughs> prism with because, like a um, hole that you... I want to make sure that I recreate the actual experience of when I used to smoke an entire pack of cigarettes without taking them out of the package. <laughs> <laughs> Just snip the end off. <laughs> <laughs> One's all you need. Okay, it's uh, it's called a box mod or something. What? I don't know. It's, it's no, out of our orbit we are right now. This is this is good. <laughs> introduce the new segment where we talk about something that no one knows anything about. <laughs> This week on Fratten with Adam. <laughs> All right, so the uh, the vaping box mod was sitting on a table along with 
probably at least 20 packs of adult diapers. Hmm. Hmm. Just apparently just all and oh, and like a, a half drunk, like Burger King, you know, fountain drink, just abandoned. <laughs> and uh, we're like, OK, whatever, you know, we'll get our food, sit down. And like the manager comes out and he's like, is this stuff yours? And we're like, no, it's definitely not ours. It was like that when we got here. <laughs> and he's like looking around trying to figure out who's abandoned their e-cigarette box mod and their uh you know, 20 pairs of Walmart brand adult diapers. Just imagining somebody uh, somebody eating and then the cops pulled up. <laughs> they didn't have time to gr- collect their adult diapers. <laughs> That's about so. the only explanation I could think of. <laughs> how, how could you leave that behind? Uh, my thought was like stoned so far out of your mind that you just leave it. Uh, yeah. Now, yeah. Now. Did you use the restroom while you were there at the Burger King? I did, yes, and no one else was in mine. So, okay, so they weren't desperately trying to figure out the changing station. No, <laughs> uh, I don't think that's what that's for. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's story Rate one. Limit fifty pounds. So that's story one. Story two happened earlier today when I bought the Snickers peanut butter crisper at the gas station because I also decided to buy three other Snickers bars. I bought a regular Snickers, a Snickers almond and a Snickers hazelnut so that I could actually directly compare them against each other. So I had all four and I walk up to the counter and I put them on the, the counter to check out. And she's like, oh, you must really like Snickers. So I lied to her and said I was going on a road trip. <laughs> <laughs> One for That's each state <laughs> I'm going to. <laughs> One a day. <laughs> you, you know the road. Gotta have my Snickers. <laughs> now, now I realize that it's a sign of addiction when you're you know, trying to hide things from family and friends. But what level do you have to be at to want to hide things from complete strangers? Well, in my defense, she was reasonably attractive. So there was, you know, (laughs) that primitive motivation going on as well. (laughs) I don't want you to think I'm just a huge fatty. (laughs) Despite all the evidence to the contrary here. Like, I can just tell that to you, this is not normal. To a lot of us, this is really normal. (laughs) <laughs> apparently charlie just doesn't do shameful things no no no. actually so i have a very similar story that happened to me i think it was even a week ago where i was at work and i went to buy something at like the little convenience mart next to the cafeteria and somebody ahead of me bought like i think they bought some ice cream and they were wondering what like the health facts for the ice cream were and then the guy behind the counter were like i think he found them and he and afterward he was like you know, man, you just got to not worry about it or whatever, right? It's like, okay, every once in a while, it's like, yeah. And I put my snack up there, which was like a candy bar or something. And so like, I'm just going to have, you know, something like this. You know, every once in a while, it's fine. So then the next day, I went back up and I was going to buy another candy bar. And it was the same guy <laughs> at the counter. <laughs> and I was like, ugh. So I bought an apple instead. <laughs> I was like, oh, I really want a candy bar, but I... It's going to be embarrassing. This guy's going to remember our conversation from yesterday. <laughs> what kind of app? I was just a, it's a red apple, probably. It wasn't a red delicious. I think it was like a Macintosh. 
Oh, okay. I was going to say, if it was a Red Delicious, you might as well just get the candy bar. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy would be like, yeah, I understand. <laughs> it sounds like you would you would be a good candidate for uh, the social credit score system. <laughs> oh, I, was more just, I was more thinking, like, instead of uh, lose weight, feel great, Charlie's more of like, feel awful, lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> got the order all wrong so that kind of reminds me of i recently went into family dollar needing some padlocks sorry for a minute you said family dollar and my mind went to family video and my thought was <laughs> that still exists <laughs> actually it does what yeah i think it does yeah there's one there's still one on like uh i think it's the south cedar one who knew fam families need their videos yeah, like I'm, I'm thinking. I don't know that the one in Grand Ledge is closed, is it? Here's where I learned it's been closed for like a dozen years. I thought I had seen it closed, but maybe not. Nice. Ah, jeez. All right, Google Maps, baby. <laughs> Maps. Google.com family video. It looks like there's still four functioning family videos. Oh. Uh, there definitely aren't any in Arizona, but I don't know that we're surprised by that. All right, search this area. Yeah, wow. And what did they, you learn? They appear to all be out, up and running. The one in Grand Ledge still there? One in Grand Ledge. Uh, apparently the one at Waverly in Michigan is still there, too. Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, South Cedar and Holt. Wow. Okay. I was going to be really upset if the one in Grand Ledge was closed and I'd somehow not taken note of that. Friendly service, great prices on used movies. That's what the review says. But uh, sorry, Paul, I didn't mean to derail your family oh. dollar story. Go ahead. <laughs> well, so, uh, yeah, I'm in family dollar. I need a couple padlocks, so I get a two-pack. And then, you know, I get a bag of some, I think they were white chocolate peanut butter, Reese's peanut butter cup bites. Okay. Oh, gross. Uh, in the big the big bag. And uh, the, the cashier really uh, felt the need to comment on that. Because <laughs> he assumed <laughs> he gave me the benefit of the doubt that my purchases weren't for nefarious purposes, <laughs> but he really had to remark that it sure looked like it. Whether well, you were going to lure uh, kids into your van, apparently, yeah, you should have asked him if there were any, any elementary schools around in the area. Geez, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, that's uh, that's family dollar. It almost makes me wish that like they sold that sort of stuff at Whole Foods because at Whole Foods, every time you go through the line, they're like, you know, are forced to say something to you about something you're you're buying. Wait, wait, wait. Back up. Back up. Yep. Back up. You're going to Whole Foods. It's the closest grocery store. So if we need like one there is thing. No hope. Charlie. Is there? <laughs> I can walk to it. <laughs> There's no you can walk to the other places. We established that when we visited. Oh, they're like three times as far. I guess that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, Doug. I realize that there's no ethical consumption under late capitalism, but shopping at Amazon for food, really? No, that's true really? now. Yeah. <sighs> but wait, I was talking about hypothetically shopping at the Whole Foods anyway. <laughs> <laughs> can I get your asparagus water? That's true. Yeah. All sorts of waters you can get there. What was your story? Uh, what was it? Oh, yeah. It'd be funny if you could buy something like that at like huge gigantic things of bulk candy at uh 
Whole Foods so they would have be forced to say something like, oh yeah, I just ate a big bag of bulk candy myself last night. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, cashiers at Whole Foods have to comment on what you're buying? Uh, well, they do all the time. I can't imagine they would be doing that unless they were forced to. We'll have to ask somebody who may have worked there at some point. But every yeah. single time, it's like, oh, what are you making with that? Oh, I Not really love business. those mangoes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's my favorite brand of condom. <laughs> How do you like them? <laughs> Extra thick. <laughs> Extra thick lambskin. Come on, you don't want that artificial strawberry flavor. It's got to be the organic strawberry flavor. <laughs> they're they're in in the refrigerated section. <laughs> <laughs> they only have a week shelf life. Uh, <laughs> just just in the produce section, you'll bag your own. So, uh, so yeah, the quick cruise tips. Yeah, cruise me. Um, again, referring to again referring to U.S. Senator Ted lay Cruz. They that cruise news on me. <laughs> Cover me in its slimy goopiness. <laughs> lay it on me, hot and heavy. This week on cruise news after hours. <laughs> and what kind of cruises do you go on? Sex you all posts. <laughs> <laughs> so in a recent episode we talked about the uh ted cruz coloring book cruise to the future uh which i had picked up in a one of the little libraries that is a, a around our neighborhood did you find another that you had to destroy well that's actually my question is that i still have the original one and the question is what do i do with it now it served its purpose which was to be an entertaining section on the podcast and now it's just sitting in my hand would you say that the would you say that the paper is rough and absorbent? <laughs> um, no, it's kind of slick, slick and like sort of high weight paper. It's slick? Yeah, it's like smooth. How do you color on slick paper? No Did, kidding. No one, no one's tried it, as far as I know. <laughs> have, have you tried? It's pristine. It? Maybe you should. Um. Yep. Is it for is it for crayons or pencils? Will that unleash its evil powers if I start to... I'm worried about it. I guess it depends on what colors you use. Oh, I suppose. I mean, is that the first step? Is that I have to at least color one of the pages? Yeah, I think you probably should. Just to, just as an experiment, you know. Because <laughs> you, you probably are fairly resistant to the evil powers. So it's, it's best that you try it first. Charlie, <laughs> is your... Is your wife aware of this evil coloring book? Oh yeah, she. She's she knew about it before you all did. So okay, here's what well, you that, do. That episode is that true, Charlie? Here's what I you feel do. like you texted me immediately. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that may be true. I guess forgetting the text, it was before we recorded the episode. All right. Wow, you, you find the evilest or maybe just the funniest page in there. You color just that one. Tear it out. Hang it up on the fridge with a note saying, you know, something like uh, Charlie Wallace or age 30. What? <laughs> Five. <laughs> yeah. All right. You put okay. that up on there. Then then what of the rest of the book? I mean, so I considered initially like, whoa, I, you know, 
well, I could burn it because I dislike all of what it stands for so much. But that's then I was like, that's book burning. I think even with this particular instance of a book, I, I, I'm not cool of, with that. What if you Charlie? What if you, you filmed the book burning and then posted the video online and called it art? <laughs> my one-man uh, show of Fahrenheit 451 <laughs> just this one book. <laughs> Maybe if you take some other books that you just need to get rid of and run them through one of those shredder brick maker things, mm. and then you can uh, you know, kind of uh, obscure the book burning aspect and make it more of a practical uh, log for the fireplace kind of scenario. Hmm. Okay. Do you have a fireplace? No. Okay. Or someone's fireplace, you know. Camping fire. <laughs> no, don't seek out copies, but if you you know, if there's other things that you you need to get rid of, you can uh start a start a brick pile for needy families. As a follow up, I did not grab it at him, but in the exact same little library, uh, at a later date, I saw that there was a, a Boris Johnson book <laughs> that I could have oh, wow. picked up. <laughs> I did not though. Didn't have gloves. <laughs> It's like who? Well, you want to who bet who is the same this? Same person dropping here. that off. It has to be. <laughs> I gotta know which book it was. Was it? Uh, I think it had a subtitle that was complimentary towards him. Did he write it, or was it about him? I don't know. I just it says said Boris Johnson something. A bold new thinker or something. Probably, yeah. So it wasn't a piece of historical fiction written. <laughs> By Boris Johnson. <laughs> Some revisionist history. Oh. Man, this turned into a very political episode. Oh, yeah, I know. I think you should Feel just color a page and put it back in the box. <laughs> it's, Ooh, or you what could kind just... of a neighborhood are, do you live in? It's a very it's very liberal. I mean, it's Madison, Wisconsin. So so it's not like you're going to be spreading horrible misinformation in, you know, changing young minds. It could be a fun neighborhood project, you know, that you, it's like signing a guest book. Or you could fact check the book, correct it, and then return Ooh. it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's that right. would be Ooh. nullify its powers. Yeah. <laughs> Just attach Snopes articles to every page. <laughs> yeah, that would really that would really excite your neighborhood, I think. <laughs> Someone took the time to go through this coloring book and fact check every page with annotations. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I had thought about giving it back to the little library, but I thought that would be like taking the Necronomicon and like <laughs> going down to the Capitol and just throwing it on the ground, right? It's like, who knows what's going to happen? I've got a responsibility now, and I know of its existence. Oh, like it could, you could, some young child starts coloring it and becomes the next ted cruz <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I think that's the best idea i've heard so far so it's also the one that requires the most work <laughs> yeah well sometimes sometimes you have a a duty that you have moral to fulfill obligation yeah moral obligation short short fact checks and qr codes pasted <laughs> on the inside <laughs> And uh, because I know everyone was wondering, yes, there is a Necronomicon pop-up book. <laughs> wow. There's some photos of the Necronomicon pop-up book. They're actually pretty freaky. Like they put a lot of love into the project? Oh, yeah, for sure. Huh. Oh, yeah. Uh, so those charming. are ridiculous no. prices. Yeah. Wow. The, the art style feels very 70s, 80s Marvel. 
Yeah. Well. Yeah, the color palette on some of them. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to start a debate among all y'all, and that's streaming versus physical media. We're gonna finally have it out. <laughs> I'm just keeps making fun of me on cinematic respect. For uh, finally, I've been been waiting for this moment. She took a dig at Criterion Collection, which surprised me. Really? <laughs> yeah. You're to, wait, you're gonna have to explain what this dig was because I don't really see how someone could. Oh, just the fact that I was purchasing Criterion Collection DVDs. Like at all? Yes. I, basically, that I was still uh, in the thrall of big physical media. Which I guess is now small physical media. I don't know. As she said it in a more amusing way, but something along the lines of, yes, that makes you old. Or <laughs> <laughs> now it's time to Google why are millennials killing the Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you say that, but uh, I purchased Archer season eight on DVD, partly because they don't make it on Blu-ray. Really? Oh. Huh. Yeah. Wasn't, there just wasn't the market for it, apparently. All right. Uh, when you search for it, you get millennials don't care about classic movies. Millennials are killing cable. The Killing, the Criterion Collection Blu-ray available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> about millennials, no doubt. <laughs> uh, it says millennials are missing from that. Oh. <laughs> millennials will trigger a boom in home theater sales. Wait, what? Apparently. What's the year on that story? December 19th, 2017. Okay. Millennials, your sound bars are killing us. <laughs> huh. What? Okay. So, yeah, no, no direct uh, Millennials killing Blu-ray All right. articles. Okay. Well, but sell me on streaming so that I can then anti-sell you on streaming. Whether it's like Xbox video okay. or Amazon video or Netflix or something like that. Something where there's not a physical artifact associated with it. Yes. Okay. That makes the question a little bit more difficult, I think. Yeah, that my, does. That really does. My initial thought is that one of the huge advantages of the streaming is that you can pay a, depending on what you what you go with, you can pay a low monthly fee and be able to see a lot more than you would be able to see by purchasing or renting physical media as in the past. I could watch, you know, 10 movies a day if I had the time streaming. So per movie, it's a lower cost and the barrier to entry is lower too, right? So I can try out something that I don't like and it's not like, oh, well, you know, that was the only thing I rented at the movie store and I'm kind of out of luck now. You can just move on to something else. I mean, that would be something, that would be an advantage. Mm -hmm. I like how you focused on Streaming services have things that I don't like and don't want to see. <laughs> <laughs> Can't deny that. Which, which I think really kind of gets to the heart of <laughs> one of the main problems with streaming services, which is that you have a lot less choice, at least for Netflix, that is. Yeah, yes. I, would, I would think that, you know, like old Netflix, like 10 years ago, Netflix had like a lot more variety and i think i would have been more fully on board with the streaming if it had been the same sort of level as then but like it just seems now that it's really fragmented yeah like like there's no one place you can go and just get like all or even like you know the majority of your streaming desires right like you have to do netflix and hulu and amazon prime and uh 
this new Disney service that's coming out and stuff like that, right? And CBS All Access. Yes, for all the young Sheldon fans out there. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. it seemed, it seemed to me that the the main advantages of streaming seemed to be convenience and I guess decluttering. I guess. Yeah, like convenience and like a low low cost way to try things out that you might not think are shelf worthy. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily an all or nothing thing. You know, you can try something out on a streaming service and decide that you want to buy the DVD set for when it inevitably disappears in a few months off of, right. Well, especially Netflix as you know, things just come and go constantly, you know, things, things are there for such a short time because like you were saying with the disc service of a decade ago, you had a large selection, but it was a higher cost. I'm just talking like streaming, right? Like Charlie and I would stream stuff on Netflix that, you know, mainstream stuff, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's how we saw lots of terrible movies like The Core and Battlefield Earth and <laughs> Dead Heat and, you know, <laughs> all those sorts of things that just aren't really available on Netflix anymore, I don't think. Apparently you didn't use the service enough. Their analytics decided that those movies weren't worth uh, stocking. Well, I think the, one of the issues with the Netflix got really good deals on streaming rights initially because there wasn't a there wasn't as much competition and b uh, people who own or the companies that own them didn't know how much value there was in that. So there was a certain right. there were points where Netflix has started losing the rights to all these things because the renewal costs would have been so much. Yeah, I understand. I mean, just that, to Doug, but... just to Doug's point. I mean, oh, okay. to follow up to that. It's not that they wouldn't stream all these things if they could, or that they're refusing to pay. It's just the cost is that much higher now than it used to be. So they they pad it with original programming and things like that. Exactly, which they own the rights to forever. So in a lot of ways, ends up being cheaper, and also an incentive for people to actually use the service, a way to keep people keep people coming or keep them on board. Okay, but what about like the disadvantages of streaming? So there's you know. There's the gatekeeping factor, right? Of not everything's available on everything. I mean, right? So uh, you can spend fifty dollars a month on various streaming services and still not get everything you want. Right. There's the fact that you have to have a broadband internet connection, right? Which people don't have. Not everyone has. It's true. That's why there's still blockbusters in uh, Alaska, or at cool. least there was. Yep. Sorry, I don't want to get into too much John Oliver stuff, but. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's still. Why is that news when there's still four family videos in the Lansing? <laughs> All right, so you're saying gatekeeping and then less. I mean, required access to broadband connection. Uh, variable quality of the stream. Yeah. That's true. Uh, the fact that repeatedly we'll be watching stuff and then it'll just suddenly stop. It'll be like we're having trouble with this title. Try again later. Which is. <laughs> unbelievably frustrating wow well similar whereas i mean depending on how well you take care of your physical media you could have the same issue there eventually getting a scratch on something such that it doesn't play as well as you'd like uh that's more a problem with dvds blu-rays have largely done away with that problem okay yeah i've actually not it's been a long time since i've had complaints about playing back discs uh blu-rays the coating is different such that it's much harder to damage them to to damage them to the point where they cause like playback issues like you got you got to gouge pretty deep which is why they by the way they say don't use a disc cleaner on a blu-ray disc because you'll that will will mess up the coating oh weird oh all right good to know 
Yeah. I guess for me personally, I'm just sort of, I don't know why they can't just both coexist. I think in an ideal world, they should. I mean, there's obviously a market for both, regardless of the relative, you know, strength, the the shifting preferences. You know, I, I don't see it entirely going away. I could see the selection of physical media decreasing, perhaps, which would be yeah. sad, but... Do we not live in a world where it is currently both? I guess I'm just sick of all these millennials giving me about buying physical media. It's not just Jessica. We already brought up a good example of how you can't get uh, season three of Archer on Blu-ray because it's not worth their while to make it anymore. So you don't have all of the options in the world with physical media because it has to be worth their while to make it, which it isn't anymore because of streaming. But you don't have all the options with streaming. No, that's why I'm I'm helping your point there by by saying that Doug's saying both coexist. I'm like, not really. I mean, if there was no streaming there, you would be able to get Archer on season three on Blu-ray. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and there'd be a lot more seeds out there on Pirate Bay. (laughs) (laughs) Torrent World isn't what it used to be either. (laughs) Why are millennials killing piracy? (laughs) Is that actually true? I have no idea. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to incriminate myself too much. Well, you've read news articles. But uh, um, I would say in general, it's I feel like it's getting harder to find some things, especially like less popular things. You know, if you want to go download the latest Game of Thrones episode from a pirate torrent site, the, there's plenty of seeds for those sorts of things. But, you know, it, it drops off. So what I've heard is that that's the some case animation. for stuff that's uh generally publicly accessible but yeah allegedly if you can get the invites and stuff that stuff is still available on the more exclusive pirate sites yeah the public so yeah like we, just going on public like, trackers yeah is not that so it's it, like there was a golden age of piracy there where anybody could get anything they wanted but now we're kind of more back to how piracy used to be you is know, my understanding. Gotta get an invite to a private yeah. tracker. Yeah, mm. is my understanding. Yeah, I would I would agree with that in general. There's there's still plenty out there on those publicly available sites, you know, as they they play whack a mole with uh, domains and whatnot. I think so, what I really don't like about streaming is very similar to always online gaming right. in that you don't own anything and inevitably that will probably will probably disappear mm. and mm. you know we're gonna we're gonna face a crisis of uh content preservation in the future i fear well they were actually independently saying that there's actually a crisis of digital film preservation elements mm. really? uh, like like it used to be the case right that you could go back and you know you can rescan the the film negatives and right and you know sift through the cut footage and stuff right because they save that stuff yeah uh that's apparently increasingly harder because formats change in the digital world so the stuff that you future proofed in like 2004 can't be accessed in 2018 without specialty equipment right oh, because no, yeah. the formats oh, moved on oh. and and so they might be backwards compatible for like the previous generation or two. But, if, you know, the further away you get from the current generation, the less likely it is that the compatibility still exists. And they were actually saying that that's actually like literally a problem that film archivists are con- 
concerned about. So you're saying I shouldn't have backed up my home movies uh, all on DV tapes? No, I'm saying that <laughs> you need... I'm saying that the problem is that it's much harder to find equipment that can, you know, read the DV tapes. Yeah. It was all probably super proprietary for the, the cinema quality stuff, too. Is that, I'm guessing? Yeah. Yeah, I think that was part of it. Right. So they were saying that, you know, outside of like publicly, you know, available versions, right? Mm-hmm. But any like deleted scenes and behind the scenes stuff wouldn't be accessible anymore. Or, sorry, is increasingly less likely to be easily uh, accessed. So it doesn't actually sound like anyone's really firmly one or the other on this. I I mean, I appreciate the ability to go onto my Xbox and just rent a movie. And then, you know, an hour later, it's finished downloading and I can watch it. Because I I tried the streaming and I don't recommend it. So, I mean, that's nice. But at the same time... Uh, I still buy DVDs and Blu-rays for stuff where I'm like, yeah, I'm actually going to want to watch this again in the future. Actually going to go buy a Blu-ray tomorrow. Because uh, season three of Rick and Morty comes out tomorrow, May 15th, mm. 2018. Thank you for the timestamp. <laughs> <laughs> Less relevant, I yeah. think, since this is going out very close to that date. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, I guess I expected Charlie to be more firmly anti-physical media than he ended up being. No, I don't know why not I felt at all. That, but. I mean, I basically agree with all the points you've made. I think one that you kind of touched on with a gatekeeping too, which is a huge problem, is that you it's hard to know where to look for things with streaming. Uh, there are some ways, like if you type in, if you want to look, find something and you type it into Google, sometimes it will tell you what services that it's on <laughs> and not on. But it's not always correct. Like, give me an example. Uh, we'll try it right now. Um, an example was The Big Chill, where it actually exists on Amazon Prime, which I already have, but I was almost not able to find it there. I almost rented it on Amazon, a different version of it, even though it existed on Amazon Prime and was not easily searchable. So I had to find it on the desktop version, put it in my queue, and then go somewhere else and then go to my tv to watch it because i couldn't find it it's just tell me again how streaming is convenient that's what i'm that's what i'm saying it's (laughs) and it's not the sort of movie that they necessarily would have recommended to me either like if i was just searching for something to watch it's got its own idea about what it wants to show me and what it doesn't some based on my viewing history or what i've told that i prefer but other stuff based on what's in the streaming services interest to show me They'll, mm-hmm. You get a lot of Netflix originals flung at your face when you're browsing Netflix, and that's by design. So it's it's hard to even find something when you know what you're looking for. And if you just flung about in like 10 different services, even if you happen to have all those services, you have to search through each one. Which is weird because you, I mean, you also mentioned that one of the nice things is you can find stuff that you, you know, is new that you wouldn't necessarily have uh, watched earlier. And watch it, try it out. But yeah. then you've got this flip side of the coin where you have an idea of what you want to watch, and you have a hard time actually getting to it, or it's you know not necessarily going to suggest it to you because it's different from what you have seen and told it that you like. Right. Yeah. I do also think that we are sort of in the middle of a streaming boom that's not sustainable. In terms yeah. of like the multiple services and you know the highly fragmented 
stuff, right? Like Oh, like the the places with less content are going to realize that their streaming service startup is not sustainable and they'll be more willing to license their shows to one of the more popular ones. Right. Like like the idea, right, that Disney's trying to create their own and CBS has their own, right? And there was a need to compete with Hulu and you know, there's plenty more, right? There's BritBox and things like that, right? And I just it seems to me that I don't think all those services are sustainable. Oh no. It's kind of like the dot com boom is almost right with like everyone thinks streaming's the next big thing and then it's all gonna collapse and you know, there'll be some people left over, right? But you know, you know streamingpets.com won't be around anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and the barrier to entry for a new service is going to be so high that Yeah. Because people aren't going to want to pay like CBS. So CBS All Access I think is a reasonable example. Canary in the coal mine? Uh I don't know if it's necessarily that, but just like the fact that for me and I think for probably a fairly large number of people out there, the only show worth watching on cbs all access was star trek discovery and it's not worth maintaining the subscription for that and so okay maybe they get like you know an influx of money every year or so right for a month or two as like people stream the new season right but is that really enough to offset like all the maintenance costs and things yeah and then are people even going to be willing to keep doing that or are they all going to be like me who signed up for the free trial streamed it in a week and then canceled the service because they're not interested in 17 different ncis shows (laughs) well i mean i would expect that somebody setting up a streaming service i would expect they're probably not using their own hardware are they like you'd kind of expect that they would be renting computing services as needed from the people who supply those like amazon i mean that could be true you could have the rise of some like intermediate streaming service, which just creates a player that other people can use or other companies can use. Right. It's like at some point we're just going to have cable, but for streaming. Yep. Mm. But yeah, the only real sustainable way to keep a streaming service for a channel up is something like HBO where, I mean, of course they've been around for so long that they already know the game, which is that what they do is they will have series finales for certain shows happening after premieres for other shows have started. So they've got this sort of weird dovetail system where yeah. they put these shows on like one after the other. So you're like, oh, well, you know, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones just the Westworld leads exactly. into yep. Yeah. So you could potentially have something to watch all year, depending on if those so shows are like, like... Uh, cable where, okay, NFL season is over. Time to cancel my cable. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually have a friend who, uh, you know, he does that. Basically every year he, you know, he signs up for cable in the fall when the football season starts and then cancels it once it's over. <laughs> I do have to give a, a big plus to streaming services for one aspect in that it's never been a better time to be an anime fan in that there's way more legal routes to watching a, a vast selection of anime through like the various streaming services now, whereas... Okay. You would just have to pirate or wait for the crazy expensive Blu-ray releases because the business model for that is kind of nuts. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's because of the Japanese prices on DVDs are, I think, still like really high. Yeah. As in, oh, here's, you know, they still release it in like four episodes per Blu-ray disc for like, you know, $80 each or something like that. 
Yeah. And there'll be US releases that are more priced for our market, but that still isn't the case always. And still yeah, for now that. you can watch things as they come out with like these simulcasts. There's oh. like simul subs and simul dubs okay. that you can watch as they release, which is kind of cool too, because then you can actually get back into watching one episode of a show per week as opposed to watching TV all the time. So, Paul, do you have any recommendations for uh, good anime shows? Uh, no, I have lots of recommendations for very bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, then. Actually, it's funny. Netflix has actually been getting their hand in on lots of anime as well, and that they're actually funding lots of original anime. Mm-hmm. Is any of it actually good? Like, I've been, I've been too afraid to try any of it. Uh... Let's see. What was a good original? I did watch Violet Evergarden. I thought that was all right, I guess. Glowing recommendation. Uh, all right. <laughs> oh, it's not terrible. Let's... Did you see Castlevania? Yes, I, I did. did. I, 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 I liked that. We all watched that. That was good. Oh, okay. Was well, it, was only, it was only four episodes, so there wasn't much time <laughs> commitment needed. <laughs> yeah. That, that, I, would, I wouldn't mind seeing more shows like that, actually. Like, more short series. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, and they did fund, they funded like, like, uh, sorry, now it's just Paul browses through Netflix. I won't turn the podcast. (laughs) This is my fault. Sorry, Uh, but it's the new Canon version of what did Charlie watch? (laughs) (laughs) Paul's Netflix queue. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So where I'm at now with streaming is that I'm in a very good place right now because most streaming services don't have a problem with you sharing with say other family members. So we've split up the memberships and I've watched a lot of things that I probably wouldn't have watched otherwise. And you can, if you're reasonably savvy, you can find things that you want to watch. And worst case scenario, usually you can, you know, rent something to stream on Amazon if there's something specific you're looking for. But I agree with basically everything that you're saying, Adam, I think the bottom's going to drop out at some point. So I'm not, I'm just trying to, trying to enjoy it while I can, I guess. (laughs) I would just like to say that there are already so many shows that I know that I want to watch that I don't have the time to that I can't imagine trying to find new shows. Yeah, that's true. Because I've made it all the way through all the shows I want to watch. <laughs> like I'm still like a a year and a half behind on like all the Arrowverse shows and that's just regular TV. Yeah. I still haven't seen any Stranger Things, you know. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I I meant to watch the second season of that. I've not seen any of it. I don't think I really have the uh, kind of childhood growing up with 80s films that so many other people of my generation did, though. So I don't really feel like I'm missing much. I uh, I made a tweet to this effect, but re-watching E.T. as an adult was way more satisfying than when I watched it as a kid, I think. Oh, really? I got a lot more out of it this time. Because when you're a kid, you're like, oh, yeah, okay. It's nuts. He's an alien. Government, government guys are scary. Yeah, government guys are scary. And oh, they're flying on bikes. That's cool, right? But mm-hmm. Or you know. if you're little enough, it's E.T. is frightening. Kill it with fire. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> good government. Good. <laughs> right. But like compared to movies like, you know, like Ghostbusters and Star Wars and Princess Bride and those sorts of things, right? That I think are a little more early. At least for me as a kid, right? I liked a lot more, but... I, I really appreciated E.T. when we rewatched it recently, uh, just because of what Spielberg's doing by like subverting expectations on how we treat alien you know, like movies and stuff. And 
and the way like it builds the story and stuff. So I don't know. Just thought I'd share. Well then, for another edition of the Gobeski Wallace Report, I'm Adam Gobeski. And I'm Charlie Wallace. And special thanks to our uh, undead and magical guests, respectively, Doug Gobeski. You're welcome. And Paul Wilcox. It has been a pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for listening to our show. Make sure to check out our website, GobeskiWallsReport.com. And don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter. Just follow us at GWReport. And we're on the Facebook as well, just like our page, the Gobeski Wallace Report. I kind of forgot what was happening. <laughs> it's always so hard with the Twitter with like the at. Like, you don't have to say at, do you? I don't know. That's a question for the listeners to decide. Charlie and expectations. Um, no, none really. Beyond, I'm, beyond none. Just Travolta. I, I am just expecting some bad Travolta acting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I think I'm just thinking of Face Off. I'm thinking of Battlefield Earth, and I'm hoping for some of that. Michael? I hope it's not too stayed. What? Oh, Michael. Michael. Is that the, the Travolta movie. <laughs> <laughs> that is another Travolta movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one where he's an angel, right? Or something like that? Yeah, he's an, he's a fat angel. Yeah. We should, we Wait, should isn't expand, that Grease? Uh, really that Grease? Is that what you said? <laughs> that is what yeah. I said. I think we should expand the segment to not only include the movie that we're going to watch, but also just movies that none of us has seen and, and <laughs> what we think they are. If it was up to Paul, this show would just be uh, talking about things we have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> Actually, I guess that's not the only segment I've suggested. <laughs> Where we're out of our wheelhouse. <laughs>